Second Timothy chapter 2, and let's read aloud together verses 20 and 21. 2 Timothy 2, verse 20, ready, begin. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you that it is alive and powerful and it cuts right into our hearts and is a discerner of our thoughts and intentions. We thank you that you've given us this book that knows us better than we know ourselves. And tonight we pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would guide the tongue of this preacher and would fill all of us so that we can receive what you have for us tonight we recognize that we are incapable of communicating your truth or understanding it without your help. And so we earnestly plead that uh, you would come down at this time and work in our midst. Give us understanding of these truths. Show us how they play out in our daily lives. Reveal what needs to change in our lives. And we pray that the Lord Jesus would be lifted up through this message and would draw us all closer to himself. And we pray that you would make all of us gospel vessels, which you can use uh, to bring the, the good news to a world that so desperately needs it. Father, please help me. Uh, I, I need your help desperately. We all do. And so we ask for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Where we pick up in our text... Uh, there's this conjunction, but, which shows us some kind of contradiction or transition in the text uh, compared to verse 19. And you'll notice in verse 19 that the Bible says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So there's this connection in verse 19, the foundation of God, uh, with this phrase in verse 20, in a great house. It's speaking of the church. And you'll remember that we've been seeing from this passage that God is intent on building his church. And the Lord Jesus promised, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so there's this note of confidence and assurance that the good work that God has begun in us, his people, he will perform until the day of Christ. The foundation of God standeth sure. And yes, we have a very real enemy that is trying to distract us from the gospel and divert us from our relationship with God. 
he's trying to deceive us. Yes, we have an enemy, but the foundation of God standeth sure. God is building his church, and we can have confidence in the work that God is doing. But, verse 20, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth. The church is God's great house that is referred to here. Uh, it is his present day temple, if you will. We read of this in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, where the word of God says, Ye, the church, are God's building. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. We read about this in Ephesians chapter 2, where it refers to the church as the body, the building that is fitly framed together, that groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. So God is, is intent on building His church, building this house, building His temple. He, he will be successful in this work. What he has, he has begun in us, He will perform until the day of Christ. However... There's this but in verse 20, this word that kind of changes the tone of the passage. Yes, there's this confidence that, that God is building his church. But like any great house, this word house in scripture, it can refer to a house really of any size and can even include a, a palace or some grand house. And, and there's no greater house than the church, this, this massive organization over the whole world of believers in Jesus Christ. And, and like any other great house, the church contains different kinds of vessels. This word vessel, it means any kind of instrument or tool or container. You know, in a, in a, in a palace or in a rich man's house, there are the fancy dishes, maybe of gold and of silver that they would serve food with. But there's also very ordinary ones of wood and of earth. There's garbage disposals as well. Every house has different kinds of vessels, some to honor and some to dishonor. And the truth of this passage is that every single one of us as believers is one kind of vessel or another. We're all a vessel. And we're all part of God's house. The question tonight is, what kind of vessel are you and I choosing to be? Here, our text speaks of vessels unto honor. That's what God has chosen us to be. That's what God wants us to be. And a vessel unto honor is defined, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, something highly valued that brings its owner high esteem. And I'm going to pray once more. I really need the Lord's help to communicate this. Heavenly Father, um, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to put the words together, and I, I need your Holy Spirit to enable me to speak clearly. And Lord, it's a Thursday night. People have been working hard all day. Uh, they're tired. It's warm. We desperately need your help. We need your Holy Spirit to to help each and every one of us to receive what you have for us from your word. And so, Lord, I just ask uh, that you would enable me to preach these life-changing truths. 
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. These vessels unto honor. This is what God intends for us to be. Now, in Bible times, rich and powerful people cared a great deal about the vessels uh, with which they ate and drank. If you think back to Genesis 44, and you remember that kind of odd story where Joseph is, if you will, playing some kind of game with his brothers and testing them and, and trying them, and he plants his silver cup in Benjamin's bag. And then he, he sends his servant after his brothers and has the servant angrily say, why have you stolen uh, my Lord's cup in, in which he drinks and, and divines, which is very valuable to him? And, and that story gives us a little insight into how much they valued the, the vessels which, which they drank. That wasn't just any cup. That was Joseph's cup, the prime minister of Egypt, in which he drank. And, and, and how dare they steal it? And so we, we see a picture there of the importance of vessels. And then in Daniel chapter 5, King Belshazzar is having a feast for a thousand of, of his lords. And in order to make it a really special occasion, what does he do? He commands them to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem. And so they were, they were so special, they were so prized that on this occasion... Belshazzar wanted to bring those out and show those off to this great company that was having a feast with him. Now today, uh, some of those concepts are rather foreign to us, but we still appreciate the idea of, of having vessels unto honor. If you visit Mrs. Odom's house, and recently she moved, and I took uh, multiple carts uh, full of different dinnerware from their old apartment to their new apartment, and if you look inside her cupboards, you'll find that there is special dinnerware and cups and glasses reserved for special occasions, for special guests. Pastor Odom does not eat his Cheerios out of that nice dinnerware. That's reserved for special occasions. If you go to my house, you'll find a collection of various coffee mugs, some of which are very prized possessions to me, and I believe they... They make the coffee taste better. I have one from Miss Andrea that she got while we were dating. And, and that is precious to me. And I accidentally uh, poured coffee into it for someone else the other day. And it felt so odd to, to let someone else drink out of that prized mug. Another example we have is the Stanley Cup trophy. This massive cup, uh, which the winners of actually will will drink out of. And uh, this tradition of having a, a trophy cup has been passed down for many years from the Greeks who would award champions of, uh, of different events with a cup in which they could drink at the award ceremony. And so we're familiar with this idea of a, a cup or a, a vessel having great value and being reserved for, for certain individuals. And this is the picture that God wants us to see here of what God has chosen for us as believers in the Lord Jesus. Every single one of us has been chosen, has been called to be a vessel unto honor. Or if you will, and which is the title for tonight's message, God has chosen us to be gospel vessels. 
gospel vessels. That's his will for all of us. You remember from a couple weeks ago in 2 Timothy 2.15 that we are urged to study to show thyself approved unto God. That word approved, it means something genuine, something that is uh, proven through testing. And, and it reminds us of when Job said in Job 23.10, But he knoweth the way that I take when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And then in 1 Peter 1.7, it speaks of the trial of our faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So here's the picture in our text. Every single one of us is a vessel in God's house. The question is, what kind of vessel are we choosing to be? Now, God designs for us that we would go through this refining process and that he would bring us forth as gold, as a gold vessel that brings him honor. And he refines us through trials. This is his desire for us. This is his design that we would be something which he highly values that would bring its owner esteem, that would bring him honor and glory. So at the outset here tonight, what you and I need to understand, that's our, de that's our definition of what it means to be a vessel unto honor, something highly valued, like, like Joseph's silver cup that brings its owner high esteem or respect or admiration. That's what a vessel unto honor is. So I want you to catch this. Every single one of us as believers in the Lord Jesus is highly valued to God. You're far more precious to God than Joseph's silver cup or than the Stanley Cup trophy to those who win it. You are so valuable to God that He was willing to let His Son die in your place on the cross of Calvary. He loves you more than you can imagine. And the truth of this passage is, when you and I begin to believe what God says about us. Well, when we begin to believe how much He values us, how, how much He treasures us, and when we begin to live in that identity which we've been given in Christ, then we will be the type of vessels that bring honor and esteem to our God. Ephesians 1, I, I always return to this passage because... It shows us how much our God values us. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. That's always been God's design, God's plan for you. For you to be his beloved child. And for you, as the passage goes on, for your life to be to the praise of the glory of his grace. That is God's design for you. That you would know how much you're loved. That you would know how much you're valued. And that you would turn back to your creator who has chosen you as his child. And you would say, wow, I love you and I thank you for valuing me highly and I want to bring glory to you with my life.
That's the picture we have here of this vessel unto honor. But the sad reality is that not every Christian is enjoying this status as a gospel vessel. They're not living in the truth that I am highly valued by God, that I have a special purpose to bring Him glory, and they settle for a life of a vessel that's just wood and earth. They, they settle for a life unto dishonor. And what God is coming to us tonight and urging us, He's urging us to choose the life of a gospel vessel. To choose to live in light of the truth that I am highly valued by God and that my life is designed to bring Him glory. And Christian, you and I have to understand, just because you're in the house, just because we come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night, just because maybe on the outside we've, we've got some things together, doesn't mean that we're living as a vessel unto honor. And doesn't mean that we are ready unto every good work that God has for us. So tonight, I would urge you as we look at this scripture to examine your life and let God's word examine you to see, am I living as a gospel vessel, as a vessel unto honor? In verse 21, we find out what a gospel vessel looks like. We, we, we've, we've looked at the picture and the illustrations of it, but in spiritual terms, what does it look like to be a gospel vessel? It says in verse 21, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. And here's the first characteristic of a gospel vessel. Sanctified. Sanctified. Sanctified means to consecrate to make holy, to set apart for God's purposes. Every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ has been sanctified by God. They've been made holy. We've been set apart for His purposes. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2. Oh, and this always encourages me. It was written to a group of messed up believers. You think you've got problems so do the Corinthians. And when I read this, this encourages me. With all of my flaws and all of my failures and my foibles, I am counted with those in Corinth who it says in 1 Corinthians 1-2, it says, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. If you have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you're sanctified. You've been made holy. You've been set apart for God's will. And here's the beautiful truth about being a gospel vessel. God valued you and God valued me. When we were lost in the ashes and the rubble and the filth and the vileness of a sin-cursed world. God looked upon us in our filth and in our wretchedness and in our sin and He loved us and valued us highly and said, I'm choosing them to be my vessel unto honor. 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 through 11. The Bible says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? 
Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. And the list goes on and on. None of these type of people shall inherit the kingdom of God. But you know how the passage continues? It says, and such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Such were some of you, but ye are sanctified. You know, some of us might read that passage and we might say, well, I'm not one of the some mentioned there. I'm not an adulterer or a fornicator or, or a drunkard. So that's not talking about me. Well, lest we draw that conclusion, let me remind you that the seeds of all those sins are found in the heart of every single one of us. Mark 7, verses 20 through 23. The Lord Jesus said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye. Blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. And you may have grown up in church and you may have had the unspeakable privilege of being saved at a young age and being spared from a life of sin. But let me remind you that within your heart and in my heart is all this same evil. And we're all capable of these same awful crimes and have committed many of them in our hearts. And God looked at our lives and saw that our hearts were deceitful and desperately wicked, that we were no better than anyone else. And he took us out of that life of sin, cleansed us from the filth and vileness of our own hearts and set us apart, sanctified us for his will. And now you and I have the choice and the responsibility to cooperate with God's work of sanctifying us. It's all him and it's all the work of grace, but by faith we get to cooperate with him. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3 puts it this way. This is how we cooperate with the work of sanctification. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. So God has given you your life, your personality, everything about you. He's given it to you as as a vessel in which the Holy Spirit can live and work and and do his sanctifying work. But it's our job to possess this vessel in sanctification and honor. And in this particular verse, the way that we do that and cooperate with the work of sanctification is by abstaining from fornication. And Christian, this includes more than just physical fornication. This is spiritual Do you realize that if you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been wedded to him? As a church, we are the bride of Christ. 
Ephesians 5 tells us that we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. We've been made one flesh with Christ. And every act of infidelity to him, every time we make our vessel an instrument of sin instead of an instrument of righteousness, it's spiritual adultery. It's going against the work of the sanctification that the Holy Spirit is doing within us. That is why in James 4.4, 4, we read these, these seemingly harsh words where James just comes out and says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. When our heart drifts from Christ and we allow ourselves to be an instrument unto sin, we're committing spiritual adultery. We're abandoning the good work of sanctification that the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. And if you and I are going to be gospel vessels, vessels unto honor, we've got to surrender to this work of sanctification. We've got to own up to God. I'm not my own. You bought me with a price to be your vessel. I'm surrendering myself to your will. If you want to be a gospel vessel, number one, you must be sanctified. But number two, you must be serviceable. Serviceable. Notice verse 21 of our text says, If a man therefore purge himself from these... He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified. And here's the, the, the next aspect of being a vessel unto honor. Not only sanctified, but meet for the master's use. You know what that means? It means we're, we're someone who can be used by God. We're useful to him. If you think about the image in scripture of a, a wealthy king like Belshazzar, making this grand feast for all of his lords and captains. And he's seated in the middle of that room. And they're banqueting and they're feasting. And in the center of his table is a golden or silver cup in which he is going to drink. And in the center of that room, he lifts up that cup, puts it to his lips, and has honor in the presence of all these people as he drinks before them. Now with that picture in your mind, Christian, could I ask you, could God set your life in the middle of the room for all to see and lift it up to bring Him honor? Could He hold up your life or my life and say, look at what the gospel can do. Look at how the Lord Jesus can transform a life. Look at the power of the gospel. Can God do that with your life and with my life? This cup would not only be something that would bring a king or some wealthy man honor, it would be also an instrument that would bring him pleasure. You think about it, he's, he's feasting, he's, he's banqueting, and he's got the finest wine in all the land. And he pours it into that vessel and he drinks it and it brings him pleasure. Christian, when God lifts up your life to his lips, does it bring him pleasure? 
We think about the church that is addressed in Revelation. God says you're neither cold nor hot. You're lukewarm and I'll spew you out of my mouth. How many of us have lifted a vessel to our lips and and drunk from a water bottle that maybe has been sitting on a counter for a long time and, and the water is lukewarm? It tastes old? I've spat out the water before. I'm going to get a cold glass. And I wonder, when God looks at our lives, are, are we living as a type of vessels that bring Him pleasure? Do you realize, Christian, that you have no greater privilege, you have no greater purpose than bringing your Creator pleasure? Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure, they are and were created. If you and I want to be a serviceable vessel to God, someone that he can lift up and say, this is what the gospel can do, someone that can bring him pleasure, you must first be washed. Washed. You want to be a vessel meet for the master's use? You must be washed. Notice verse 21. The Bible says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. Christian, here's the sermon. Everything builds up to this point. This is the application. This is what we must take home. This is where the rubber must meet the road. If you're going to be a vessel unto honor, you've got to purge your life of everything that is diverting you from the gospel and from the purposes of the God that loves you. The these in this verse, what are they referring to? Well, it goes back to verse 20, the, the, the gender of these is the same as some to dishonor. You know what you need to purge yourself from? This type of Christianity that is not in line with being a gospel vessel. With what we learned about uh, in weeks prior about how the devil's trying to distract us and divert us and deceive us. And we've got to choose to purge ourselves from anything that diverts us from this work of the gospel. In our home, there's a debate over whether or not you need to rinse a dish before putting it <coughs> in the dishwasher. <laughs> Pastor believes very strongly that it's not necessary. Aaron believes very strongly that it is necessary. And there's this debate. But one thing I have found, although Pastor Mackay's method works very well most of the time, there have been occasions where I've opened the dishwasher and I have reached in to take a glass and fill it with water or coffee and I look in and there's junk crusted inside there. And do I want to drink out of that? Do I want to pour coffee in that? Absolutely not. And when God looks at your life and my life, and he wants to use us. 
He wants to bring glory to his son through us. And he looks in, and when he looks in at our life, is it clean? And have we made every effort to purge from our lives those things that divert us from the work of the gospel? Christian, these sermons are not to listen to, to yawn and say, I can't wait till this is over. They're to take home and get alone with God and say, God, in my life, what needs to be scrubbed away? What needs to be purged so that you can use me as your vessel? What things in my life am I allowing to distract me from the gospel? What things in my life am I allowing to divert me from my relationship with you? What lies of the devil am I allowing to deceive me? Oh God, purge them from my life. And whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it because I want to be your vessel. That's our assignment, to take a hard look at our lives under the light of God's word and scrub away everything that is competing with God's gospel purpose for us. How are you going to do that? Psalm 119.9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. You know what God's word is? It's a Mr. Clean eraser. It'll get at any kind of grime, any kind of sin. But just like a magic eraser, it still requires you to scrub. No one's going to do this for you. And you and I need to get alone with God and examine our lives and make every effort to scrub away whatever is competing with the gospel. If you want to be a serviceable vessel to the Lord, you must be washed. And you have to make the effort to purge from your life what shouldn't be there. And then lastly, number two, you need to be willing. You've got to be willing. Notice our text says, He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use. That requires you to purge yourself, but then it also involves this last phrase, prepared unto every good work. You know what that word prepared means? It means to make ready. It's unloading the dishwasher and putting those dishes in prime position to be used. And Christian, can I ask you in your life, are you ready for God to use you at a moment's notice for whatever purpose he so chooses? Here's the truth tonight to really summarize a lot of what we're looking at. You and I get to choose what kind of vessel we'll be. We get to choose. We get to choose. I'm going to purge from my life that which competes with the gospel. I'm going to be a vessel unto honor, ready for God to use. We get to choose. That's the kind of vessel I'm going to be. But we don't get to choose what work the master employs us in. He just tells us to be ready unto every good work. And when he gives us the opportunity, we're ready and we do what he calls us to do. If you think about it this way, God is looking out on a world that is lost and dying and going to hell. And he's poured out his love for humanity on the cross. 
And every day, through us, his vessels, he wants to keep pouring out that love to the people we encounter. He wants to keep pouring out his grace and his favor and his kindness and his goodness through us, his vessels. But we've got to be ready. In Titus 3, over and over, God commands Titus to tell the people to be ready to every good work. And if you could write down this reference, it is such a good verse to live by, Galatians 6, verses 9 through 10. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. You know what we need to do every single day, Christian? We need to look for gospel opportunities, to have our eyes open for ways that we can show the love of Christ to others and be ready unto every good work. In conclusion tonight, we'll close with this. This phrase, meat for the master's use, the Greek word here is used on only two other occasions. It's used in 2 Timothy 4 and Philemon. And in both cases, it's talking about Mark and Onesimus. And it says of these two men who at one time were not profitable to God. Mark quit in the middle of a missionary journey. He got distracted from the work of the gospel. He got discouraged and he quit. Onesimus stole and fled from his master. These were not vessels unto honor. But the gospel made a difference in their lives and they became profitable. And Christian, wherever you are at tonight, maybe you've been living as a vessel to dishonor of earth and wood. You, you haven't been totally surrendered to God. You haven't been purging from your life that which competes with the gospel. Well, let me encourage you. You can be like Mark. You can be like Onesimus. It's never too late to become a vessel unto honor. If you're still breathing, God still wants to use you. And God can use you mightily like he used Mark and like he used Onesimus. The question is, what kind of vessel will you choose to be? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us more than we can imagine. Lord, you've, you've made us your chosen vessels through which you want to pour out your love and your grace and your kindness to a lost and dying world. But Lord, we recognize tonight that we have a responsibility, that there are things that in our lives that we've got to purge, that we've got to scrub away. Lord, for some of us, maybe we've never truly surrendered our hearts to you. We, we've never really given ourselves over to your purpose for our lives. Lord, whatever the case is, I pray that you would do your perfect work in our hearts and that we would leave this building tonight with this earnest desire in our hearts to be gospel vessels, surrendered to your purposes, washed and willing to do whatever you call us to do. Oh Lord, please move in this invitation as only you can, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.